my name is Obashola, and um, I am the moderator for the Dino Dura project with Democracy um, in support of um, with the support of and uh, performance by Belili Atiko. So, um, basically, what I would appreciate more is the freestyle thing that I mentioned. But before you go on, I just want to share a bit of my own little knowledge about market space in our rural settings. Growing up in a very rural town, Obago, in Australia. Where is that again? I grew up Obago, Obago. It's a very Obago. rural town. Okay, in okay, okay. Yes. It's uh, about 10 minutes drive from uh, Oshobo, the state capital. I know the place. Oh, great. So, we, Obago did not even have a market. They did not have a major market like the likes of um, Ikiro, Iragiji, Ada, Oshobo, where they have Orisumbari, Alamisi market, the, the eight days market, and the five days market. Obago never had a single popular market. The only major market was the Ojaoba. They went very close to the palace, just directly in front of the palace. So, Growing up, I realized early enough that one of the major purpose of this market is to serve the palace. You know, in the olden days, our, our forefathers, they wouldn't want the wife of the king to be roaming around the streets to get things, to prepare dinner for the king. So they always want a market close to the palace. And that has graduated to what we now know and call as Ojaoba and Ojale in some of these towns. So I, I grew up knowing this, then what can we say and how can we, how can we preserve some of these things for, for the future? Knowing fully well that Yoruba, most of our knowledge are not written down. Yoruba knowledge are not always written down. We pass them orally from generation to another generation. So how can we better preserve some of these things and um, what is your what is your knowledge of what we call Oja Ojale? That is the night market. And also called Ojaoba in some places, but the only the only the only time they they the only time they activate them is between five PM and nine PM or latest ten PM, depending on how busy the town is. So what is your knowledge of this Ojaoba, the Ojales? Then how can we better preserve some of this knowledge since we are we are known to be transferring our knowledge from i mean since we are known from transferring our knowledge orally generally Yoruba don't write our knowledge down we transfer them orally mostly so what's your knowledge about ojale and, and that is a nice market and how can we better preserve some of this knowledge i think you can just kick off and restart from there um Okay, so uh, I would say that you're you're asking, you're trying to have a discussion about um, Ojale and uh, how we can preserve information about markets, uh, exactly. which is not necessarily the architecture of it. Um, uh, we can we can as well discuss about the architecture of it because, of course, that's what forms what is known as the market. The architecture forms physical okay. presence of the market. 
you're putting up this dialogue on two principal standpoints. Uh, the first one is um, what I understand by uh, Ojale. And the second thing is how we can preserve the knowledge, how we can better preserve the knowledge of um, uh, markets. Uh, I think when we talk about markets, markets are in, in Sub-Saharan Africa and Africa generally, markets are probably the only place or the only social space where almost everything that happens in a city happens. So um, a market is that place where everything happens. It's sort of like um, almost similar or overlapping in terms of theory with what Lefebvre calls the, uh, the third space and um, what we know as a space of spaces, a space where almost every, everything happens actually, theoretically. Talking about markets triggers us into understanding space better. And the entry point into understanding space is to understand that space is not physical, space is social, and that social space informs the physical. Therefore, uh, according to thinkers like Akimabu Bujia, according to thinkers like uh, um, people like uh, David, we, we, we can figure out and Lefebvre as well, we can figure out that space is where, is what people do. Um, talking about markets generally, we are talking about the activities of people, the social activities of people. And if we're talking about the social activities of people, we bring into four an even more complicated parameter called culture. So if we're talking about markets, we have to ask which market uh where where the market is and the social constructs uh that actually orchestrate the market so for example your your question was about ojale which typically implies that you're talking about the yoruba market and typically means that you're not just talking about the yoruba market the fact that you mentioned ojoba you're talking about markets in proximity to the palace of a yoruba king of our Yoruba monarch and the workings of this market. And I need to say that the way these markets, the way a night market in Southwestern Nigeria or Shun State, the way it, it exists, the way it functions, the way it breeds is totally different from a night market in Benin or a night market in Kano. Uh, so, Markets, in a way, are sort of like a, a, an emblem of culture. Uh, and, and they reflect or they condense the cultural norms, institutions, and conventions of a particular place. So having said that, my understanding of a night market in, in the Yoruba setting is, I mean, there's so much to mention about, about the, the superstitions involved with it, the, the beliefs involved with it, in, involved with the, the market, the, the planning theories, I mean, involved in it. I mean, there's so many overlaps. There are overlaps with night markets and necromancers and witches. There are overlaps with night markets and healers. There are overlaps with night markets and masquerades. There are overlaps with night markets and 
uh, emissaries of the kings and activities of monarchy as well. So they're, 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 they're very, they're a welter of, there's a welter of information when it comes to the complexity of overlaps that you have with what a, a Yoruba night market is. Um, having said that, I think one of the assumptions that you made or the assumptions that most of us make is when we talk about the curation of a night market uh, in the context of, of the Yoruba culture, of our own culture, being a Yoruba person, I think we always unconsciously hierarchize um, methods of archiving when it comes to, uh, not just methods of archiving, methods of interrogation, when it comes to understanding our own culture. And so we believe that uh, there might be an, uh, another way, there might be a better way, or there should be a better way. There must be a better way to how we currently do things. Now, you rightly mentioned that knowledge in the Yoruba culture as, as similar, in similarities to other cultures uh, in Nigeria are being transferred from, are being transferred orally. Uh, and we unconsciously think that is not enough. We unconsciously think that is um, not strong enough. Um, I think that is not the first question. I think the, the, the first question is to understand how this helps and what this has been able to contribute to the trajectory of history, the trajectory of human activity when it comes to the market. So the oral taxonomy, the taxonomy of, of of the oral ritual of passing information down in the Yoruba kingdom is extremely powerful. I don't think we should downplay what oral taxonomy is. It is very, very powerful. I started learning about oral taxonomy of the Yoruba culture as far back as I was six years old. I mean, that happens when you have a dad who's a professor and then you have uh, distinguished professors come into the building and come into the house and discuss advanced theories of oral taxonomy. The word stuck right when I was uh, a very little child. And I asked about questions and I asked about people who have pushed the boundaries of the theory of oral taxonomy, people like Okunjini, people like Simpson, who is retired now, people like um, a, a number of uh, scholars that have really worked, Abiodun Rile, people who have really worked on the theory of oral taxonomy and how the Yoruba people are very, very unique and efficient in actually documenting their culture by passing down information. One of the important things about oral taxonomy is that it allows for self-interrogation and it allows for cross-interrogation. Self-interrogation in the sense that when you tell a single story uh, about something, um, it just, it not only tells the story about that thing, it tells the story about the person telling you that thing. So you have some kind of linguistic and rhetorical metadata that follows an information. It's very difficult to have that in mainstream um, modern uh, methodologies of, of, of investigation because this goes way back and this is qualitative and not quantitative. Cross interrogation in the sense that when you have stories passed down through different people, the same story passed down through different people, it gives you the power and the, uh, the girt to be able to learn how different people see a particular thing. So for example, the ritual of uh, Aga or Kongba, we, uh, that are actually two masquerades in, in Obumashalad. The way they are passed down through history, the way the stories of them are passed down through history, they're passed down through different people. 
And you can compare these stories and see instances of overlaps, instances of parallels that may not necessarily be parallels, but be inclusive information altogether. So it allows you to get a lot more information. Um, and it would be very difficult for you to get that kind of information when you are actually um, writing things down and, and documenting things in the Western way. You lose a lot of ethnographic, um, you lose a lot of ethnographic uh, experiences, either in form of anecdotes, either in form of diaries, you, you lose them because ethnography is one of the most complicated things to quantify. Um, and what happens in social space uh, can only be fully immersed and fully uh, understood uh, through ethnography and hybridities of ethnography. So I will say that oral taxonomy and passing things down through uh, what people say um, should be uh, studied a lot more. A lot of people have studied it and not enough apparently, but it should be studied more and we should be able to be proud of that methodology that dates back over a millennium. Um, having said that, there can be more ways of studying these things. We can document uh, what these people say and put them down and, and, and store them, which in a way is still oral taxonomy. It's just, it's just that we are writing down what people are now saying. And a lot of information can be lost through that because when you write down what people are saying, it depends on the person writing it down, the knowledge of the person writing it down. Uh, so for example, if you have somebody from Benin conduct an interview with Yoruba market sellers, uh, Yoruba market women and men in Ojaoba at night, uh, if the person doesn't have a very strong ethnographic uh, skill set, even if the person does, there's so much that might be left out in the process of that recording and that interrogation. So it's, it's very important to look at these as well. So I will say that, and um, I will say we can write, I will say we can photograph, I will say we can map, I will say we can bring to form most of these uh, methodologies that we have now. But it all boils down to understanding the market and understanding how to access the kind of information that the market has to offer, which in itself is a very complicated thing to do. So yeah, we can improve this by understanding what the market is and understanding the kind of information that the market has to offer. And then matching that understanding with existing methodologies that we have in contemporary times and figuring out how we can find an entry point into what the market has to offer. The usual entry point might be, or will most likely be the oral taxonomy that we're trying to move away from. So I think we shouldn't move away. I think we should not move away from oral taxonomy. We should actually uh, use it as a springboard to leap into more complicated, more complex uh, interrogations of, of what the market has to offer. Uh, having said that about, I mean, oral taxonomy and everything. I think um, talking about what the night market is, I, I don't think uh, it's, it's, it's talking about night markets and the social activities of mar night markets. It's like trying to unwrap uh, 
unwrap a balloon that has been half blown and neatly folded. It, it, it's, it's just going to blow up in our faces right now because I don't think we have the kind of time to discuss such social complexity. But I can say that it has overlaps with all the things I have this, all the things I've mentioned initially, overlaps with rituals of progressions that might involve uh, um, masquerades that might involve uh, people uh, performing. Um, well, masquerades itself is a form of performance. Uh, but I mean, if if you look at um, Yoruba culture. The language of Yoruba, for example, when we're looking about architecture, I keep I, I, I talk about architecture and people say, oh, the Yoruba people don't have a lot of physical architecture. I sort of agree with that, but what I agree, I mean, in, in relation to other cultures, but what I agree with, I mean, what I, what I tend to explain to people is the fact that a large amount of Yoruba architecture is not in the physical infrastructure per se, it is in the language. Yoruba architecture is extremely theoretical. And so when you understand the language, you understand how Yoruba people see uh, architecture, see space, see the ground, how they see components of what, cons what, what constitutes an orchestration of space. Uh, is uh, a kind of proverb that allows us to understand different components of a building and what those components mean in terms of construction and in terms of meaning, in terms of what they mean to space. I mean, what is Kwanza, what is Aja? What is the difference between Kwanza and Aja? Um, um, it, I mean, these are things that we can begin to understand. And so in, in the Yoruba language, we, we interrogate our architecture with our language and we use it we do it through the lens of life itself through the lens of social activity and there are very few cultures in in nigeria at least that, that that have that kind of entry point into architecture and so our architecture is interrogated through our language if you do not understand yoruba language at its core there is almost no way you can understand Yoruba architecture. It's, it's almost impossible. If you, if you don't understand Yoruba language at its core uh, essence, it's impossible for you to understand uh, your, uh, Yoruba architecture. You will just be saying very shallow things like, oh, we're using a pattern from this, from this palace to inform the pattern of our own facade, or we're using uh, a shape of a building to inform the shape of our own building. You know, geometrically shallow stuff that actually do not go deep into the theoretical essence of what the Yoruba people understand as architecture. And, and um, I think there's a lot that has to be learned in that way. And that's why I think a multidisciplinary approach is the only effective approach in dealing with uh, Yoruba architecture. Architects cannot do it alone. You need historians, you need people who are Yoruba scholars who understand the language to be able to lead uh, architects through this path of a discovery where they can understand that they are being embedded into a theoretical and linguistic uh, environmental atmosphere where they can understand 
architecture and the, in the way that you rightly see it. Um, talking about the architecture of the night market, which is something in addition to what you asked me to talk about, I think what we should talk about first before talking about the architecture of the Yoruba market is the planning of the Yoruba market and the social space. So the social space, the space of the speciality of the, of the, of the Yoruba night market informs the planning of the Yoruba night market, which in turn informs the architecture. And I think the, I think the architecture of the Yoruba market is organic, very organic. I think uh, the planning of the Yoruba market is less organic, but the architecture is more organic in the sense that people don't think, the people who make the markets don't think about how, don't really think about how the market should look. They think about what the market should be. Not really, not even really how they should feel in it, but how the market should be. Um, and it's totally different from uh, the calibration of space in 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 the market. Uh, planning of a market mean involves what people sell in the market to start with, uh, where people sell them within the markets. Some markets are in concentricity to the palace, the night markets. You have the palace in the center, and then the perimeter of the palace. You have offsets of different people selling stuff, and then you have offsets of these offsets, and then it expands till it diminishes into nearby neighborhoods. And in some cases, you have them at a, at a separate side. In some cases, you have them in concentrics. And, and the planning of that, I mean, the planning of that is, is what is special. So the planning of a market is a lot more special than the architecture of a market when it comes to Yoruba markets, because it's how it's planned that uh, constitutes a more important uh, language to it. Uh, I've been spending the last three or four years studying markets, mostly markets in Northern Nigeria and, um, and other markets in Sub-Saharan Africa looking at the vulnerability of markets to conflict and violence, and basically the idea of conflict and violence itself as it relates to Nigeria and the overlap with it, the overlaps of, uh, the overlaps of that with um, ethnicity and religion and, and culture friction, contiguities, what contiguities mean, how it, how it, input, how it, uh, it uh, uh, affects uh, space and the politics of geography when it comes to space and public spaces and the politics of markets itself. Uh, I've, been, I've been looking at that and I can tell you that there's a huge difference between markets in Northern Nigeria and, mar and markets in, 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 in the Yoruba culture. And, and even in Northern Nigeria, you still have variations of market typologies um, and what they mean. So, I mean, I don't know what you will get out of comparing different night markets, but I know that there's a lot to be learned. Uh, night markets now in contemporary times, in present times, in the context of national insecurity that we have in Nigeria right now. I mean, what, what does a night market mean now? How do people perceive a, a night market? A night market is where people go and buy 
different things. Sometimes they go and buy things that you don't want to buy in the, in the, in the afternoon. And that's why you have the local ledger. Uh, what you know, people call that when you're local ledger, you're the people who sell different things, herbs, uh, different uh, components for different concussions and stuff like that. I mean, these are things that children should not see or should not really uh, deal with uh, in some context. Uh, these are things that uh, might scare people. Uh, so if you want to buy the fingernail of a female lion, uh, you usually, these things are usually available at night in night markets, depending on the area of the Yoruba uh, region you're talking about. But I mean, that is when you go and buy spooky stuff and that's where they sell spooky stuff. Um, that is not the only meaning of the market. As a matter of fact, that might, it would be wrong to use that as an emblem of uh, what markets mean. But it's, it's a mystical space. A market in the afternoon suddenly changes uh, in so many ways that the perception of the buyer, the perception of the seller, and the ritual that happens between the buyer and the seller takes on a whole new meaning once uh, it becomes dark. And then we can start looking at the, the, the impact of temporality on what the market is. By that, I mean time. I mean, how does this affect uh, time? So basically, in, in summary, I think I have been able to talk a little bit about the night market and what it means in Yoruba culture and, and, and the idea of oral taxonomy and how it can be improved on. And thirdly, the architecture of the market and the planning of the market and how everything can come together. So I think, um, in essence, uh, markets in Yoruba culture are totally different from markets in other cultures. Markets in Yoruba culture have, have been passed through time. Knowledge about it has been passed through time through oral taxonomy, which can be interrogated and made better, but which is also a very, very powerful means of uh, documentation and archiving in its own right. And um, I also think the architecture of markets are not as, uh, Yoruba markets are not as significant as the planning of it. And I think that a lot needs to be learned for us to understand. And I think insecurity might tend to redefine the way we see night markets. I'm not sure, but I think it might tend to redefine the way we see night markets, especially in certain spaces in, in the Yoruba regions. Yeah. Wow, wow. Thank you very much, Ajadi. That has been a highly insightful conversation. Thank you very much for taking us back into how we need to consider a lot of things, especially in the archiving aspect and in the architectural aspect. Then one, one, one might be right to also consider the spiritual angle. Considering what you said um, towards the end of your conversation about some of the items that are, that are sold at yeah. the night, night market, so one must also consider the spiritual angle of um, night market, especially in the Yoruba part of Nigeria. Thank you very much. Yeah. We sincerely appreciate your time. I think um, I have to call Jumake back to say a few words before we finally end up the session. Um, thank you very much, Abashala. Uh, thank you, Steven, you know, for this very, um, I would say, impactful uh, breaking down. Uh, of not just uh, the physical, but also the social space as well, uh, but also bringing us, you know, into, you know, the uh, um, 
the organizing of the market, which I think is also very important as well into what uh, the ideas and the reasoning behind how uh, markets are organized uh, in Yoruba culture, you know, so very, very thankful for this. Uh, and we will be in touch soon <laughs> to actually call you back at a later date to continue this conversation, because I believe that this is not something we should sum up in like 15 minutes. <laughs> But um, yeah. there would be a, a forum to actually dive deeper into this extensively uh, and to see um, how we can begin to engage our social space and that in itself informing how our built environment uh, shapes up you know, as we go along. You know? So thank you very much for this, uh, Stephen. Much appreciated. Okay. Thank you, Obashala. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. So bye. bye.